Weezer Bracket is brought to you by Tom Cruise's haircut from Mission Impossible 2. The greatest haircut to ever be featured in a movie feature film. 100%. Uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's people who are claiming the haircut from Mission Impossible 3 is better. No. That's fucking bullshit. If any, if any uh, haircut from the Mission Impossible series is able to uh, compete, it's probably for the fourth one. That's a pretty good haircut. Yeah. But it's two. I'm sorry. It just is. Uh, Matt Singer. Uh, look, I know Matt Singer, but you're fucking wrong, dude. Uh, and this is one of your dumbest takes you've ever had. Because all someone has to do is watch like five seconds of Mission Impossible 2. And it's like, that hair is fucking on. The end of the movie when he's on the motorcycle and just flapping in the wind. Man. It's fantastic. Okay. In the Mission Impossible world, <laughs> do you think like Ethan Hunt has like a regular person he goes to for his haircut? Um, clearly not, since they're all over the map. Yeah, but he might... I mean, like... Why would you change from the two haircut? You know, I can see changing things up, but you would go back to it. Well, sometimes he's in a more serious mood and needs a shorter haircut, I think. I mean, it's not like he really, really, really goes undercover to where he has to really alter his uh, appearance. Well, the first movie has the short one. Yeah, which is bad. It's not good. It's fine. Second one is the haircut. The haircut. Third one, I think it's short again, but not quite as short as the first one. Yeah, it's a little, yeah. It's a pretty standard haircut. Solid. Yeah. Fourth one, pretty decent. Yeah. Fifth one, I don't think it's that much different. No, it's pretty much the same as the fourth. And what I can tell from the new one, it's maybe pretty much the same. Maybe a little shorter. It's a little shorter, I think. I mean, we haven't seen the movie. We don't know. Maybe there's a haircut reveal in it. Maybe they're doing with the thing where they shoot a bunch of fake footage for the trailer, and then in the real movie, it comes up and you're like, wait, the haircut is different. Well, it's like, how much t- time during pre-production is spent on deciding what kind of haircut Tom's going to have in this movie? I'm guessing no less than one week. Yeah, it, it's a big thing. I'm, I'm sure there are a lot there are Look, what, uh, what other franchise can you chronicle the haircuts? Uh, That's a good point. I can't think of another one. Yeah, I mean, in the second best franchise, the Fast franchise, the haircuts stay the same. Oh, yeah. Um, They stay the same in all the Star Wars movies. Well, Leia has different hair. She doesn't have, like, the buns. Yeah, that's true. And, like, I think, like, but Luke's none of those haircut, haircuts are yeah. that compelling. Once once you get past the buns, they're pretty interesting. And then, you know, it's like, oh, she has an updo with a twist. Okay. She has longer hair in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, but then she does it up, yeah. Han's hair is like the same the entire series. Yeah, Luke's hair sucks the whole way through. Luke's hair is shorter in, this, in like Empire and Jedi, I think. I mean, not, it's still like, like this kind of like, like a, tilted bowl cut. Yeah, but yeah, he's got like a moppet cut. Like yeah, a moppet he's kind of like this modified Prince Valiant bullshit. It's like, this is your <laughs> fucking hero? Uh, what other franchises? I can't think of anything that has an amazing haircut. Uh, the way that Tom Cruise and the Mission Impossible. I don't think that the haircuts are as vital to the films as... Any other franchise quite like the uh, Mission Impossible franchise? Yeah, because here's the thing. In the Mission Impossible, you know, you're worried, like, is Ethan, is Ethan going to die? Is he going to be hurt? Or you're also worrying that his hair is going to get fucked up. Oh, man, what if someone fucked up his hair? I would kill them. Yeah. All right. You want to get to it? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, I it's funny talk we've talked about this and we've not talked about all of Rivers' haircuts. There's a, There's a... Yeah. Maybe we can talk about that in the podcast. Maybe. Will we? Stay tuned on the Weezer Bracket.
So we've got uh, a lot of Weezer discussion, as always, for everybody, but uh, we need to get real serious for a minute. Um, we got to lie to you guys. We, well, no, we didn't lie. Yeah, we lie, were, lie impro- we didn't know. We were misinformed. We got some bad information yeah, from we were, somebody who knows who he is. Uh, we're not going to call him out because we're not that kind of people. No. But we were told that there was no more Kirkland light. This is not true. It just turns out that the Costco location that he was at, the person who was trying to get it at, was just out of it, and they weren't going to get it restocked for a while. Because it's so popular and good. It's flying off the shelves. Because of our uh, endorsement of it, I'm guessing. Why are we not getting any money from this? Uh, why are we not getting any money in general for anything <laughs> that we do? <laughs> if you want to give us money, contact us. We can we can set that up. Yeah. They are getting rid of the Polish hot dog. So the, your combination of buying beer inside and then the uh, getting the hot dog outside and then drinking the beer outside and getting kicked out, that's going away. So they're still selling hot dogs. It's just the Polish hot dog, yeah, right? Yeah, but the Polish one's way better. Okay. Is that more expensive? It was... Uh, like twenty cents or something like that. Okay, because I know like the deal is like a buck fifty for the hot dog and a coke. Yeah, I think it's like a dollar sixty, dollar like sixty five. They, they refused like to uh, change the price because they know it's a loss leader and people really like the deal. Yeah, I mean they're keeping the very berry Sunday, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty thrilled. I'm a big fan of that. I really like the Costco pizza. Uh, it's not bad. It's better than you think it's going to be. It is definitely that. the cheese is best because there's it has a thick layer of cheese on top of that pizza. I really enjoy that. Do you think Rivers eats Costco food? <laughs> Do you think Rivers goes to Costco with his family? He's now a family man. I bet he definitely has a Costco card. Pat Wilson definitely goes. Pat Wilson has been a long-time Costco dude. Uh, Pat Wilson's clothes come from Kirkland, I'm guessing. Well, he definitely has some Kirkland-like shirts. Yeah. I don't think Matt Sharp's a huge Costco uh, patron. Someday we'll get to talk to Matt Sharp, and we will ask him these That's the first burning question questions. Do you go to Costco, Matt Sharp? Do you have a membership? <laughs> Do you ever eat at the food court outside, Matt Sharp? <laughs> If, you, if you're at Costco, do you make sure to save room for that? Don't don't fill yourself on the samples because <laughs> you might want that Costco pizza or hot. Dog. I don't know. I don't think he goes on the weekends. Oh yeah. Oh, I that's think, right. Yeah, I think he's going to get swarmed. Oh, that's true. Please, please, fans, take away from me. If you look, if you can contact Matt Sharp for us and let him know, we have a lot of Costco related questions for him. <laughs> See if he'll give us 20 minutes of his time to talk about Costco. And additionally, if you know anybody at the Costco Corporation who would give us money to do this. Yeah. Hey, Matt Sharp slide into those DMs. Costco. That could be our next podcast series. Just yeah. Matt Sharp. On, or we could just get fam- semi-famous people to talk about Costco. Oh, man. We are building a fucking printing press for money here. <laughs> our ship's coming in, Andrew. I would love to get like Lights Camera Jackson to talk about Costco. I want to talk to him about his experience at the Hard Rock Casino. <laughs> Wait, have we actually not talked about uh, Lights Camera Jackson on this podcast? I don't think we have. Oh my God. Explain to the people who Lights Camera Jackson is. Lights Camera Jackson started off as a child critic. I think I believe he was like nine or 10 when he started off. Back around 2010, because like I remember, like one of the first reviews I saw from him was Inception. He was on like the Today Show to re- uh, review it. Oh yeah, and he hated it. Yeah, he said it was uh, too confusing. <laughs> I'm sure he was also reviewing like Doubt and shit like that. 
Well, it was ever the Oscar bait that year. And I remember they actually they, they talked about him on the Stern show. Like they had like <laughs> Is that how you found out about him? Uh maybe. I for, I forget. But the weird thing about him is he's now 19 years old. So it's not a gimmick anymore. And his t- but his taste in movies has not aged. <laughs> like his favorite movies are still like Cars and Car- like last year his most anticipated movie was Cars 3 and he was like in his first year of college. What is his major? Uh probably like communications or something like that i would say don't do it lights camera jackson don't fucking do it broadcasting I don't, don't do it <laughs> journalism probably still shouldn't i would say communications or something like that that's camera jackson learn to be a welder bro you should maybe uh maybe you should have went just to his trade school hey a welder makes ninety thousand dollars that first year that's a good that's a good first year uh, yeah and then you can like become like an arc welder. You make two hundred thousand dollars a year. That's tight as hell, and you get to use a welding machine. Yeah. If you'd like to teach me how to weld, hit me up. All right. You want to start? Oh yeah. There's a purpose to this podcast. Let's get back to that. Okay. Time to talk about Weezer. <laughs> Round one. Tripping down the freeway. Off of Ratitude. Versus Smart Girls. Off of Hurley. So when I edited the last time we talked about Smart Girls, that that song fucking stuck in my head for like a week. That's because it has a it's got a nice hook to it. It kind of does. I kind of hate most things about the song. Just kind of like him just changing Hot Girls to Smart Girls. I mean, he's kind of had this weird progression where he, how he's trying to talk about women he's trying to improve himself like i can't just talk about them being hot let's change it to smart okay i don't want to talk about girls anymore i want to talk about women i think like I, weekend woman i get what you're saying and i get what he's trying to do but i don't think he's really doing a great it job is, at it. no it is it is like just because you just because you decide not to use the word girls on an album does not mean that you can just replace them with other like words for it no uh, that's what i was building to it's yeah. just like he's doing the least possible it's a, it's a lot like being performative woke on twitter yeah a little bit yeah <laughs> there is a there is a performative act to it but i would say his is more just based on his own like mindset other than seeing how other people react to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I also wonder just how much is him just being tired of saying these same things over and over again? I think it's just probably him getting tired of his, his own like creative, like his, where his crea- normal like creative like mindset goes to. Yeah. And after like you've written songs for 25 years, I, I can't imagine how tiring that is. Especially when you kind of have the same like, in, kind of the same like inclinations every time. 
Yeah. So when I was in school, we had uh, Matt Stone come to talk to us about uh, writing South Park. And he told me, he told us about this one instance where there, he was showing us how he writes, they write an episode. And he goes, so one time we go, you know, it's bullshit. Homeschooling. Homeschooling's bullshit, man. All right. So how do we do this? Okay, well, what if Randy does this? And what if this, this? And he, he puts together the whole thing. And then they look at it and they go, oh, this looks familiar. Oh, did the Simpsons do this? Oh, I don't think so. They had done it. Thanks for fucking spoiling it. No, I was just like, I didn't mean to spoil it. I was just like, just come on. That was, everyone knew where I was going. Okay, 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 there's an issue to storytelling. God damn it. You're building out too long. <laughs> we need something to fucking talk about. Yeah. These, these songs we just, you don't got to drag it out that long. I mean, we have to produce a, pol- a quality, interesting podcast here. <laughs> this is more fascinating than that story. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I imagine Rivers has the same phenomenon where he's like, this song seems really familiar. Oh, it's a demo I wrote in 2003. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, how's it changed? Shockingly identical. Okay, the tar bridge is different. You know, this is different. Well, that's the problem. I think when you just put out as much output as he has, yeah. you're going to just keep repeating yourself. It's even harder when all you make all your demos and just scraps of ideas so public that he does. Yeah. I mean, he, in many ways, is just backed into a corner. He's, how many songs do you think he's written in total at this point? Oh, my God. Tens of thousands. Like, if you told me it's something like 25,000, I would totally believe it. Yeah. I don't think it's that many. I would say I would say about 5,000. Still, that's a lot. How many things have you created that you've created 5,000 of? Uh, nothing. Children. <laughs> Doesn't count if they don't, you know, gestate. <laughs> but smart girls gestated. <laughs> it's well, what was the? Well, it was just hot girls originally, right? It? it was just hot girls. Like it was just a find and replace. Jesus, I mean, like, but the thing is, I think it really, really like fun. It's kind of bouncy. You yeah. can kind of get into it. You can kind of nod your head to it. It's just as soon as you do anything that just looks into the content of the song, it kind of, all that kind of fight fades away. It just falls apart and it's just like, oh, okay. Like you see smart girls on a bus, on a plane, on a train. How do you know they are that smart? He's like, basically, did we talk about the, It's kind of like, um, it's Dr. Seuss, right? <laughs> we didn't mention that, but it kind of is. It's it like, is kind of cat in the hat. Yeah, I wouldn't. No, it's like green eggs in hand. I would not eat them on a. Yeah, yeah. I would not eat them on a bus. I would not eat smart girls on a. <laughs> That's what it is. It's basically Doctor Seuss. We may, if if we were good at doing these sorts of things, we could figure out how old the kids were, and then like the age that smart girls was written out, it probably lines up. The daughter had to be pretty young at around that time. The daughter might have been born. 
That's when you read Dr. Yeah, Seuss. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. I bet Mike Rivers is also reading Dr. Seuss just on his own without the children. Okay. He what? I don't think he does that. <laughs> he was an English lit major. Maybe he focused. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what he was He's just on. like, yeah, oh, I'm going to polish off the, I'm going to read the last of the 27 Shakespeare's plays. And, some, and then I'm going to read Horton Hears a Who. By Theodore Giesel. <laughs> Then you know what he would turn. Then you know what he would do after he was done studying for the day. What he'd go back to his dorm room, lower the lights, and turn on his favorite movie, Swim Thing, yeah. <laughs> starring Sherry Appleby, who is once again featured in the song "Tripping Down the Freeway." Oh man! So "Tripping Down the Freeway" didn't stick in my head when I was editing the last time because. There's nothing to grab you on that song. It's just all this kind of abrasive. Do you know what grabs me? What? Pat Wilson's guitar solo. <laughs> Are you going to tell me this was another Russian-inspired thing? No, I don't think this is inspired by Rush at all. I don't think anything on Tripping Down the Free was inspired by Rush. Oh, uh, okay. Well, that gives it some points. <laughs> <laughs> Pat's just a cool dude, shredding on the guitar. I mean. They had to change it up somehow, and Pat's like, yo, I got this. And I'm sure Rivers is just like, Do they sell guitars fine. at Costco? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Do you think he's ever just like goes in and test one out with his like tripping down the freeway uh, <laughs> solo? I think you have to order them online. And then, but they'll have them there to pick up? I've never purchased a guitar let, let alone one from costco so i i don't have these answers what for brands you. is the kirkland brand guitar? <laughs> honestly that'd be one of the sweeter things to have the kirkland logo a, i got a gibson a kirkland <laughs> what's great about the kirklands you get three of them Dude, we should talk to we should talk to Costco slash Kirkland into making a Weezer branded guitar. A Weezer bracket branded. Oh guitar. my god, yeah. Oh my god, that'd be so awesome. Because we're such guitar aficionados, <laughs> just shredding all the time. That's us. I know. I have friends who used to be huge guitar aficionados. Yeah, you went to college. Yep. <laughs> One friend I think started like he's still. I think he was this like basically making his own guitars and selling them. I don't know if he still does it. Look, I'll. A guitar is one of those things, like, I understand how it works in theory, but I just don't really understand it. I took two years of guitar lessons when I was in, like, in sixth and seventh grade. R- wow. Yeah. What songs could you play? Not much. House of the Rising Sun. <laughs> really? Yeah, that was, like, the first song my teacher taught me. That's why. I- so, were you, were you air guitaring when you saw it in Gotti? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of my favorite. That might be the most ridiculous <laughs> fucking song, music cue during Gotti. I don't know. The Shaft theme is pretty The Shaft egregious. theme went during the... So I've revisited that scene. I don't know if you saw our Twitter uh, caption of it, where he just goes and shoots the guy, and there's clearly two different like like exit holes of the bullet. Yeah. Like it, the blood splatter comes out like one side, and then like 90, 90 degrees from that, the next one. He's killed multiple people in that shower. He's Gotti. <laughs> Do you think Rivers has seen Gotti yet? No, I, I guarantee you he has not. Do you think Matt Sharp has? Well, when we talk to him about Costco-related matters... We'll talk to him about Gotti, too. Tripping Down the Freeway is just one of the, one of the worst songs they've ever done. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's. I don't know what he's trying to get at with it. 
because it sounds kind of like like this weird almost like country rockabilly song it has these weird post-production filters and effects on it they're trying to get people to sing along with it the lyrics don't make a lick of sense i don't know how i mean he could have pulled a demo out and just stuck that on there you know some other song i don't know why i don't know what the impulse was to put that on the album granted it's not one of their more cohesive or better albums let's say it's the least yeah i know we've talked about this the last time but i just remembered some of these lyrics are really gross too (laughs) like you withheld the physical love i need i said hey then i'm gonna go play the field you broke down and told me you love me true i said girl i gotta be with you so basically they weren't having sex and he was and it was pissing him off right I mean, that or he may be doing a character in this one. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think Rivers is... I don't yeah. Think <laughs> about Rivers anymore. I don't know what the last song... There are songs that I think are partially about Rivers anymore. There, I mean... Like the one, like that one he wrote about his wife, you know, clearly had some personal... Um, what was... What was uh, King, of the, uh, King of the World off well, the Well, no, like, like Happy Hour is about his, you know, about certain feelings that he has. Yeah. Uh, well, don't don't spoil it. We're talking about that song. Yeah, next. I know. But like, there are wide album songs. Yeah, that are said, ex- that are still about him. Yeah, I said King of the World just right now. Yeah, but I don't think this one is. <laughs> this is not. It's so weird. The characters he chooses to inhabit when he creates a fictional one, like they're so overtly flawed and not in ways that endure people too characters you know it's like let's let's take rocky for instance it's like he's not a smart man but he's trying and he doesn't understand a lot and he knows what he is like he has his flaws but they're they're what make you feel for him this guy's like yo bitch you didn't put out so I, i fucked all these other bitches then you came back yeah what's up doesn't really make me say yo this is a guy I, I really want to associate with. I forgot that he has this lyric on here that was like, you went out with some guy named Kevin Green. Do you think there's a real Kevin Green? I think people tried to research that at the time, and I think didn't... I think Rivers said it was just a generic name or something like that. Yeah. Which is good, because I wouldn't... I, I appreciate that Rivers did not dox a real human being. <laughs> like, he didn't bring up a 20-year-old feud. Like, yo, Kevin Green, Kev- four, 14 years old, you know what you did. Kevin Green is like a John Smith name, too. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. um, Someone else is playing drums on this song, actually. Oh. Is it Josh Freeze? Yeah. He played him on, uh, he actually played him on four different tracks off of Ratitude. He played it off of I'm Your Daddy, The Girl Got Hot, Put Me Back Together, and Let It All Hang Out. I mean, Pat was busy at the time. Oh, and uh, Tripping on the Freeway. He's, yeah, he was playing guitar. This was, He's this. playing guitar and shopping at Costco. And then Rivers just wanted to be a lead singer. And that, I don't know. I really would like to know his impulse behind that, because if you had to pick one, he's clearly a better guitar player. Uh, Yeah, definitely, yeah. Wait. What? Are you talking about Pat? No, rivers. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were saying that Pat was a better guitar no. player than a drummer. Pat's a better drummer than a guitar player. Yeah, that's for sure. 
but this uh, this Josh Fries, he has, he's playing with a group of different uh, a bunch of different uh, bands. You want to know what the other bands? I think I did this last time. No, he didn't do this last time. Okay. He he's played with a Perfect Circle, Devo, the Vandals, and Guns and Roses. His brother also has played with uh, plays keyboards for uh, Green Day. Oh really? Yeah. And he's actually he's he recorded the sax saxophone solo in the other way for Weezer. Talented guy, multi multi instrumentalist. The f- talented family. Yeah. Just what an odd thing. Do you, were they even like? But the thing is, like, were they even recording this all together? Like, or were they recording them separately? Because I don't know why they couldn't have Pat just do drums and play the. Guitar. You think they were doing his strokes? And recording it all like live, basically. All separate. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of groups do that. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a more modern technique. Yeah. I don't. I think they might have were thinking more for the live show. Yeah, I feel like though if they're they were probably recording all together if they if they were bringing in another drummer. Yeah, but yeah. I think they're doing that because they're thinking like, okay, like we can when we do the new stuff, pack and like go out and get to the front and start shredding. And I mean, but like I think on Blue Rivers almost ended up playing every like instrument on that album. You know, I've you've heard that before. Yeah, or he, he, at least he recorded a lot of them on his own. He redid the uh, guitar parts. Yeah, he did it for the Jason Cropper parts. Basically, yeah. after he had fired him, he went back and did them all on his own. It was before Brian came in. I wonder if he really did the bass on that. I wonder if that was the uh, origins of the division between him and Matt Sharp. No, I think they kept Matt Sharp's uh, bass playing. I mean, it's not even that distinct, so I couldn't tell you. No. <laughs> I've told you. Blue Album is the only song that has like a bass line that you remember in, in the entire album or in, in almost in all of Weezer's music. Yeah, no, definitely true. With only in dreams. Yeah. Anyhow, I think that's enough. I think I'm ready to vote. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. It's tripping down the freeway. It's definitely Just, tripping it's, down it doesn't the have, yeah. Um, Smart Girls has enough like of a melody and like a insane hook that it, it's got something going for it and tripping. I just. I just don't enjoy at all. Not at all. I'm glad we kind of stopped listening to the songs right before we record <laughs> So we don't have to... I mean, look, we, you have to give us some lenience here. We're only human. Come on. <laughs> all right. One down. Let's go. <laughs> Round two. Happy hour. Off of Pacific Daydream. Versus Love is the Answer. Off of Ratitude. So you know what's really weird to think about? What's that? Happy Hour is the last song Weezer released as a single that they actually wrote. That's true. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Do you think whenever they did, when they finally decided to take part in this meme memification of Africa and this whole get Weezer to play Africa, did you think they would, had any clue it would actually become probably the biggest thing they've done in a decade? <sighs> 
I didn't think it was going to get this big. I didn't. I didn't think they would do it, though. I didn't think they would. I mean, yes, Rivers is always chasing popularity, but I don't think he does it as, I don't think he's as beholden as that, you know, where yeah. it's like, oh, if our fans say we're going to do something, we're going to do something. They've been, the fans have been saying certain things for a long time that they're not going to do, you know? Do you, what do you think that what do you think they're saying behind the like behind the scenes like Jesus Christ Africa really this is I bet they held off for a long time and I think they saw it build and build and I think the logic was all right let's just nip it right here yeah we've got a tour coming up hey if people like it cool we'll do it on tour we can use it as a little bit of promotion for yeah, the tour coming exactly. up yeah exactly yeah and I don't think they expected to be on Kimmel doing a cover. Were they going to be on Kimmel before the, the Africa thing? I, I am not an expert on Jimmy Kimmel bookings. <laughs> um, do, you, do you know who directed like 10 years of Jimmy Kimmel? No. Bobcat Goldwave. <laughs> I don't know how you direct that. It's, it's just like a clip show, right? What, no, I mean, it's like... Every every like talk show has a director on it, basically. Right. Especially they're working the room cut. Oh, the- oh! I thought you were saying like a ten years of Jimmy Kimmel. No, no, special. no. He, he directed the first ten years of the Jimmy Kimmel oh, show. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Wow. He has a great story about Nickelback. I think not Nickelback, or it was either Nickelback or what was the other band that was like that them. I forget. But for the sake of this story right now, because I can't remember, let's just say it was Nickelback. All right. I think it was yeah. I think it was Chad Kroger. And he like he was like, "Hey, don't shoot me from this one side. I don't like the way my nose looks." And and, and like Bobcat's like, "Okay." <laughs> and then I like, guess so they didn't shoot him, and they held off the entire performance. And then like during Kimball, I think the way they used to do it, I don't know if that's how they they would do his one song, and then they would do a second song, and they play over the credits basically. You know? Yeah, they, yeah. And like in the last thirty seconds, he just like wait for it. Wait for it, and he's like, "Shoot the nose, shoot the nose!" And like every single like person with a camera just start did close ups of the nose. And they were cutting between. <laughs> I think directing Kimmel is probably a sweet job. Yeah, I would. I mean, you have to deal with celebrity requests like that all the time, you know. Well, it's really funny that it would end up being Bobcat who ends up directing like a talk show because he was famous for like getting kicked off of talk shows in the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, but. There's been so much time, and I know Kimmel. Kimmel literally put on all of his friends. Oh, Come yeah. on, <laughs> but you, have you ever seen like when he set the fire? The uh, he set the uh, couch on fire when he was on Leno. I, no, how dare someone besmirch Jay Leno's couch? It was famous during the '90s. There's like a whole episode of uh, Larry Sanders that's basically about it. I haven't seen Larry Sanders either. So yeah, so happy hour though. Let me ask you a question about Happy Hour. All right. The uh, the first lyric off of Happy Hour is, I'm like Stevie Ray Vaughan on the stage, high on music, teeth grinding. Do you think Rivers has ever like thought of Stevie Ray Vaughan as an influence? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, well, okay, listen, I'm biased because um, I lived a number of years in Austin, Texas, where you are just like injected with Stevie Ray Vaughan hype on a near daily basis. Yeah. Ah, he was just the greatest. He's just the greatest. Also, my dad was really big into him. Like he did those ACL performances where he's like covering like superstitious and all that. And I mean, he was phenomenal. Do you think part of like the Stevie Ray Vaughan though, kind of legend is because he died at 35 and in a helicopter. Yeah. Yeah. 
look, look, that's how it works for all rock musicians. Imagine if like imagine if like after like uh Pinkerton Rivers had died in like a helicopter crash or a plane crash. What imagine the well, legacy of like Weezer right now. Yeah, I mean it would have been another one of those cult figures and you know, we probably would have been like, oh, I wasn't that great. <laughs> no. I, 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 it, what, the deification of people just gets to me, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, all right, all right, all right. I can tell you one thing we wouldn't be doing. <laughs> this. <laughs> well, Rivers, we are very glad that you did not die in a helicopter accident. Um, I once saw Jimmy Vaughn. What? I once saw Jimmy Vaughn, his brother. Play. Oh, I I worked a show uh, that Jimmy Vaughn did, yeah. He was opening for Bob Dylan. Oh, wow. Yeah. This would have been like 2011, I would say. No. Yeah, no. It's been 2007, sorry. This was the, my freshman year of college, I think. Yeah, my dad had these t- Dylan tickets and he couldn't go, so I ended up taking them and going to see it. I saw, I, so I saw Jim, <laughs> Jimmy Vaughn. <laughs> I was working the show as camera hopping and it was like this celebration of this musician, Doug Somm, who I had never heard of. Yeah. Uh, and he was very big in the blues community, especially that Austin blues community. And so it's like, I just shoot this show and it's, you know, close-ups, wides, whatever. And it was just so boring to me because it's just the blues. Okay, all right, here's their four-bar solo and it's the same solo every time and it's just like, I couldn't believe it. And... Doug Sama had one big song called uh, It's About a Bluebird or something like that. And it, like five people did it. And it's just like, oh my God. It's just like, it, and it's because it's like one of those shows that like a lot of musicians are showing up. I guarantee you some are just showing up and like, okay, I'm going to do this. It's like they, they don't know the crowd has seen the song three times already. Jimmy Vaughn. Not as good as Stevie Ray Vaughn. Uh yeah, I think that's an easy <laughs> Jimmy Eat Vaughn. <laughs> Jimmy Eat Vaughn. <laughs> this song, it's fine. You know, uh, listening to it again this time because we did decide to listen to songs again. It's a nice payoff to what we were talking about earlier, where he's trying to treat women in more respectable ways. The boss that he mentions is a woman, even though he does. Think about her being crushed by the two-ton weight. Like Monty Python. <laughs> like Monty Python. And he, talks, uh, and he thinks he's going to... He dreams about meeting a scientist in sweatpants and a hair tie, implying that she's a woman. This is actual the actual growth that he's trying to do on Smart Girls and Weekend, women, weekend Woman and songs like that. Yeah. So kudos to him. Good job, Rivers. Good job, Rivers. You're growing. It's... 2017 when this came out you know yep and then there is love is the answer love is the answer I, I, I can't it's get... still one of the more baffling decisions <laughs> well I, I still can't believe that sugar ray recorded this song and then they went back and recorded their own version after that i um i just played a, a song for uh nick called rivers written by uh, sugar ray it, it was actually um do you, was it written by Mark McGrath, really? And you, are you calling him Sugar Ray like everyone called him back in the day? It's Mark McGrath. And like it, he was trying to write like a Weezer-esque song, like a song that R- Rivers would write. Hey, look, for for that goal, he really did a good job. Yeah. Like it's shocking. And it, he has 
like where the heavy guitars come in is like really well done. Um, it's interesting because a lot of people try to do those, write a song like, and fail. Rivers is actually really good at it when it comes down to it. Yeah. The Sugar Ray one actually nicely bridges where it sounds like a Rivers uh, Cuomo song. It has all the structural elements, but when you first hear it, you absolutely know it is not Weezer performing this song. It is 100% a Sugar Ray song. It reminds you of that Sugar Ray you know and love. Yeah, it's just like, instead of drums to be getting, we're going to have this like lousy like beeping noise, like a microwave Oh, God, yeah, off. yeah, that's right. That's and it's just like, and it's just like everything, there's a whole sonic textures of it. It's like, yep, this is a Sugar Ray song, and I can't believe that I so instantly recognize the Sugar Ray vibe, the Sugar Ray sound. So you know what? Sugar Ray has become a very big punchline for people who discuss pop culture. I mean, we have certainly used it, but hey, good on them for making even somewhat of a dent in this world, you know? This uh this song was on the Scream 2 soundtrack. What? Yeah. So like someone gets killed and they just go into the uh, No, I don't think it played because you know how those soundtracks were back then. Yeah. In the 90s. Like none of these songs were in the movie. They were just taking B sides from popular artists and basically assembling these like albums that they could sell and saying featuring Sugar Ray and Third Eye Blind. Yeah. I remember uh, Creed was a really big uh <laughs> feature on the Scream 3 soundtrack. Jeez. In fact, I think there's a Creed poster up in Sydney's like room in the movie Scream oh, oh, Three. Yeah, yeah. Do you know who else is in Scream Three? <laughs> yes, <laughs> Jay and Silent Bob. We don't need to discuss them. We spent too much time on this podcast discussing those two. <laughs> Kevin Smith and Jason Mew. Yes, everyone knows who plays them at this point. <laughs> Today's the ninth anniversary of the Kevin Smith tweet. Oh my God. Every day that you forget that the Ke- the Kevin Smith tweet exists is a good day. <laughs> You're going to have like eternal sunshine in your mind to ever forget that thing <laughs> exists. That might be the best argument for that process. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a it's a it's a tweet about love though and how much he loves his wife cuz love is the answer. No, apparently remember he he walked it back. He's like, "No, I lost a bet." And she's like, "I'm going to make you tweet the worst tweet you could possibly." I don't do. think that's true. That is 100% bullshit. No, there's Like no there is that... literally not one person who believes that excuse. No, no one does. And the fact that he tried to push it off on his wife is kind of a shitty thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> what an awful thing to do to the, the person you love the most in the world. Hey, you wrote the thing that the most repulsive thing I ever <laughs> have him credited for. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, it's not the most repulsive. <laughs> <laughs> Yoga hosers still exist. <laughs> he was just, but the funny thing, he was just, I guess he was just trying to top that tweet with Yoga Hosers. <laughs> this, uh, so, Love is the Answer was co written by Jack Neffley. And produced. Frequent Weezer collaborator who's written, who's, who's done a lot of great songs with them. Um, this is just not one of them. This, I mean, I still would love to get the lowdown on why he decided to do this world music element to it. Yeah, that's a good question. I think, do you think it was because of the Sugar Ray thing? Where he was just finding any way to like differentiate it from his original version. So he was like looking for something, like something more outside the box to like do that i don't 
think so because I think that he knows that he can make a better version than the Sugar Ray version. Yeah. I mean, the Sugar Ray version, it's not anything terrible. It's fine. It's pretty standard. Yeah, it feels like... Look, imagine a song written by Rivers that Sugar Ray performed. There, you've heard it. You don't have to look it up. You've heard it. Yeah. Uh, Rivers knows that he can do stuff. He can do him better than anybody else. I think he's just like bored again. And he's like, what if I try to branch out like late period Beatles? What if I do this? Or he met, you know, he met this Indian singer somewhere maybe at a happy hour and uh because not only does it have hindi lyrics but it also has sitar on it yeah so like it's like late period beatles with harrison when he got really into ravi shankar i mean maybe he met the sitar player at one of his retreats at a vipassana retreat that's true and it's like hey bro come on down let's jam i mean love is the answer is a very <laughs> retreat friendly song it kind of is like one of those vibes that you'd put out there so I could see that having some sort of bizarre, natural, organic progression to it. Yeah. I do not know why he came back to it, though. I mean, like, I'm like, who knows, though? I, can ne- I never understand the brain of Rivers Cuomo. I know, and that's what makes him so fascinating. I know, and this is what, that's basically why we do this every week. Because <laughs> we find something about him that just keeps on drawing us. Yeah. Rivers, let us know. I honestly, I kind of don't want the answers, you know. No, I kind of like I like trying to like talk about them with you and like it's trying like to, the yeah. JJ Abrams mystery box. <laughs> okay, not quite that bad. No. I wish that Weezer would do a song for the Mission Impossible series. I mean, yeah, that's 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 one of the accomplishments they need to uh, check off. You know? know, it's like what can you do as a rock band? You can sell out Wimberley Stadium. You can have a like a double diamond album and you can make a mission impossible song there's an, i think metallica's that, done it kanye's done it I think uncle cracker's done it on the first do you remember, how, do, remember how the first movie has like the cranberries weirdly at the end of the movie <laughs> i don't remember that yeah. i mean it's not not too terribly long ago it's like at the very end you know after the, the movie's wrapping up and it's like kind of like like you know like after the train sequence, and it's just like they have the um, cranberries just kind of lightly playing in the background. Once again, doing that thing where they wanted to create a soundtrack, I think, so you know, yeah. just could throw that on. I own that soundtrack. Because I was a kid, I really loved the Mission Impossible theme, you know. Yeah, who does? Yeah, as a kid, that thing is killer. Yeah. I, would, I would kill to hear Weezer cover the Mission Impossible theme. It'd be something like, Our Love Isn't Impossible, or something like that. <laughs> All right, you want to vote? Yeah, this is a tough one. The, these are two very experimental tracks for Weezer, and neither one of them, I think, really accomplishes what he's trying to do with anything. Yeah, I have to give Love is the Answer a lot of credit for just being bold. Yeah. Like, this is like, all right, I'm going to do something. It's going way out in the left field. Happy Hour, it feels like he's just like, he listened to Sunbather a couple times, and he's like... Sunbather, I don't hear any of that on that. It's kind of him trying to put, like, some of the chill waves, like, or even, like, Tori Moi sounds to it. He's trying Sunbather, he, he's trying a little more, like... Sunbather is more, like, during the non-metal sections, I would say it's more, like, post-rock, which I don't hear, and or I would shoegaze at times. Right, I'm talking about the non-metal parts, though. Yeah, but I'm, those are what I would... 
classify the non-metal parts as shoegaze or like post-rock. I don't hear well, that. In okay, I'm, I think he's taking all these more modern elements. These, I think he's just trying to copy a lot of things that are popular. Yeah. And which, yes, has been a lot of the Rivers MO for a long time. Yeah. I think it's results in a very boring track. Yeah, it's it's not great. So you're voting for Happy Hour? I'm voting that Happy Hour is the worst yeah, song. I, I'm going with Love is the Answer. That song drives me nuts. And like I, I don't find it even that... I mean, come on. The dude's just trying to redo a, a song that he let Sugar Ray do first and just sticking like sitar and Hindi vocals in it to like... I mean, but don't you kind of like that it's a fuck you to Sugar Ray? <laughs> I think it's a fuck you to Sugar Ray. He was nice enough to let them record it for the, for the first time and send... He like, I think... Because like he had sent them multiple like demos at first and they got to choose what they wanted. Guys, guys, you got to do one of our songs. I wonder what else he sent them. I wonder if the uh, other things ended up on like Gratitude. Thank you. He sent them early version of Can't Stop Partying. He would not let them have He would not let them have that. There's no way in hell that he would give them Can't Stop Partying. There's no way in hell. Maybe he let them do In the Mall. <laughs> I would love to hear a Sugar Ray version of In the Mall. I think that's one that Sugar Ray is actually more suited to. But how 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 much of a dick move would that be? Like what Rivers just sends him in the mall, and then Pat finds out. You did what? You <laughs> I wrote that song. That was mine. You can't just give that to Sugar Ray. He's like, you can keep your publishing, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Put me back together. I could kind of see. No, because that was from his jam sessions with All American Rejects. Oh, you're right. You're 100 percent right. Tripping down the freeway, possibly. <laughs> he sent it over to Sugar Ray, and they're like, "No, bro, no way. We are not Sherry Appleby fans. We are <laughs> we are very anti Sherry Appleby. Fuck swim fans. We're tired of listening to you talk about it all the time. <laughs> Rivers, anytime you talk, come over here. You're just talking about swim fan, and we are fucking tired of it. <laughs> come on, bro. That's that's how I imagine like. Mark McGrath always been like, come on, bro. I was on Extra. I, I, had, a, I had an interview with Sherry Appleby. It did not go well. She wanted to talk about Swim Fan, too. I was <laughs> like, come on. We got to discuss Battle of the Shaker Heights. What was it like working with Shia LaBeouf? He was no Jesse Bradford. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, All right. we need to call one of our esteemed experts uh, to settle this. So let's, uh, let's try it out. Okay. We are going to try to call... Ben David Grabinski. Let's see how this goes. Yo. Hey, Ben David. Hello, sir. Hey, hey, I, you're on with Andrew, too. Hi, Ben David. Hey, have you guys heard of the band Weezer? We hey. have. We've just been talking about them, actually. <laughs> oh, they're a pretty great band. I like them a lot. Oh, cool. Then you may be able to help us with a dilemma that we have. Uh-oh. Yeah, we are stuck between two songs, and we cannot tell which is the worst one. Now, these are some deep cuts. I don't know if you'll know them. Well, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. So the first one is called Love is the Answer. It's off Ratitude. Yeah, off Ratitude. I know that one. And the other one is Happy Hour. Which was the last single off their newest album. It's from what? Their, their newest album, Pacific Daydream, it was actually the last single they did. I don't know that song, but I do know Love is the Answer. Okay. Well, I mean, if you want to listen, you can, or, you know, we let you use any criteria to determine which is the best. If you really did not like Love is the Answer, you could just tell us that. Did you know that Love is the Answer? Well, you know, I kind of feel like Love is the Answer is not a good song. 
No. But, you know, there's probably someone somewhere who enjoys it. Uh, and the other one, I don't know it. So maybe it is way worse. That's true. We know, That's we, probably the guess. It's like, you know, it's the unknown is usually scarier. <laughs> did you know that Sugar Ray recorded Love is the Answer before Weezer? I did not. No. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rivers just gave them the song, and they recorded it and released it, and then Rivers is like, you know what? I'm going to do this song. You know, I think that's a really good criteria for a song being good, that you're still <laughs> going to release it, even though Sugar Ray did it first. It's true. I think it's just like, that's their criteria. If Sugar Ray or Toto put out a song first, that's fine. Because <laughs> <laughs> I actually heard the Rivers had written Africa and gave it to them, and then they used it, and he just waited to use it until now. Like, like what, it was like 17-year-old Rivers around that time? It's a little younger, probably 16-year-old yeah. Rivers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey guys, I really love your band. I wrote this song for you. Uh, check it out. I think he also wrote most of the Dune score. That's like a little-known trivia. <laughs> young Rivers, before he was even born, is responsible for a lot of Toto's music. I heard he also wrote the uh, soundtrack to Streets of Fire. That's actually Vangelis. Uh, and as far as I know he wrote his own stuff but the Alexander score might have accidentally been ghostwritten by Rivers Cuomo (laughs) I heard Oliver Stone likes having all of his scores ghostwritten by Rivers it's like his lucky charm I really liked his uh, score for uh, Wall Street 2. Money never talks. <laughs> Sleeps. Never Money never sleeps. <laughs> uh, money never talks. <laughs> That's Brett Ratner's Wall Street, which is a completely different movie. I would watch, I would watch that movie. Well, I hope it was helpful. Yeah. yeah. Like, so I think you're voting for a happy hour, basically. Okay. No, yeah. Uh, yeah. You want to say your thing about Maladroit? He's been on to me. Uh, you know, I have a really complicated take on Maladroit, which is that it is good. <laughs> it's good. You know, I, I re-listened to it for this project, and it's the first time in a while I'd listened to it from front to back, and it was so much better than I remembered. I was very happy with it. Yeah, it's like a really strong album, and it, you know, you can feel some passion behind it. It doesn't really feel like uh, anyone's on autopilot. It's it's the last album of theirs that like I really loved. Um, I yeah I go as far as to say that I love Maladroit. Yeah, we're both really big fans of Slob. Yeah, Slob's our favorite. Slob's the favorite on that one. You know what? I'm getting so hyped on Maladroit right now. I'm gonna have to hang up on you guys and go listen to it. <laughs> okay. Hey, anything you want to plug? Um, you know, there's a movie called Skip Trace on Netflix. Hey, it's true. It's very good. And it's from it... the writer of Uncle Drew. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, Ben David. Yeah, well, you, guys, yeah. you guys have a great night. Hey, you, too. you too, Ben David. Thank you. Okay, bye. 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 I was thinking about uh, Skip Trace a lot recently uh, because I watched the, uh, the guy try to jump over all Evil Knievel stunts. Oh, yeah. And they had Johnny Knoxville as a consultant. <laughs> I went and saw Action Point, actually. Yeah, I'm Skip Trace is a much better film than Action Point. Hey, yeah. all right. Yeah, all right. So Happy Hour moves on. Thanks, huh? No, he voted for Love Is the Answer being the better song. Yeah, so Happy Hour moves on. You're right. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting how my own <laughs> podcast works. <laughs> wow, this is this is week uh, eleven. This is what it does to you. I'm sorry. Yeah, Happy Hour moves on. Happy Hour. All right. Thank you, Ben David. Uh, check out Skip Trace. It's fun. All right. 
Round three. Cold Dark World. Off of Weezer, the red album. Versus, I'm your daddy. Off of Ratitude. I thought tonight would suck like every other night. I'd party with my friends. But when I saw you grooving on the dance floor, normal came to an end. We started talking and then it was so clear to me. There's no one else like you. You got the brains, the body, and the Cold Dark World is a weird Weezer song. Yeah, this one is incongruent with anything they've ever made. Basically, I was like, I was actually re- researching this this song today, mm-hmm. and I was just reading the lyrics, and these are some fucked up lyrics. Yeah, hit us with them. You don't need the fear. You don't like the others. I'll be like a brother. I will protect you. Never disrespect you. But if you need love, then I'll be here to sex you. Um. That is not what a brother is supposed no, to do. No, that's not what a brother should be doing at all. That's, uh, you know what? We are a firmly anti-incest <laughs> podcast. We're going we're gonna to draw that line in the sand. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I, I'm cool drawing that line and like, <laughs> not debating that at all. That, I mean, not debating that whether we should be sure or not be <laughs> I get his sentiment there, like, look, I'll protect you, but yo, what's up, girl? It's just like, there's better ways to phrase that. Oh, yeah. You can't be saying, I will be your brother and let's fuck. Yeah, that's that's a very bad. Let's give I'm Your Daddy some... Well, no, it kind of does that, too. This is the incest round. Uh, well, I'm Your Daddy... I'm Your Daddy, once again, such a weird song because it was inspired by him holding his child while she was sick and him just saying, I'm Your Daddy. And he's like, well, that's that's a lyric for a song. Let me go write a, this gross song about like seeing some girl like at a concert that you used to know. We're getting some real weird parts of the uh, Weezer brains right now. Do you now. think we like... Do you think we have break, broken these songs down and like what they're, he's trying to say, or what possibly be like these Freudian like readings of these songs in a way that Rivers has ever thought about? That's a good question. I don't. I would really like to know how much Rivers lives with a song at, once it's out in like the world. How, how introspective is he when he's like writing these lyrics? I think he's had to revisit like the first three just forever. Yeah. And I think beyond that, I think he's been able to let go. Oh, I like songs like I'm Your Daddy and like Cold Dark World. I don't think he's probably heard them since they were released. Oh, I'm sure they do I'm Your Daddy Live. Do they do I'm Your Daddy Live? It was a single. I saw like a tweet from somebody. I was like looking up Weezer and I saw a great tweet. I think it was like an AV club writer who was like, I'm seeing uh, the Pixies and um, 
Weezer tonight. Pixies kind of suck because Kim Deal's not there. And Weezer, they could possibly play I'm Your Daddy eight times in a row. Like, <laughs> whatever. It's 2018. Just please give me this. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. Cold Dark World is definitely the only song that has Scott Schreiner to lead vocals. Thankfully, yeah. I guess everybody get, gets a get. They're trying things out, you know. Yeah. Maybe he really had the voice of an angel, and you know, like Gomer Pyle, you didn't see it coming, and then oh my god! <laughs> I love a good Gomer Pyle reference. <laughs> I know you do. They really like. They really love doing that joke. It's like always like Gomer. Oh, that's right. Jim Neighbors has a beautiful voice. Let's use this. What do you think? What do you think Jim Neighbors' favorite Weezer song was? Jim Neighbors, Neighbors, I think, recently passed in the last year, but I'm, he's probably listened to a lot of Weezer. No, I thought he died like a long time no, ago. No, he died like a year ago. Oh. Um, he like lived in Hawaii for the rest of his career. Uh, like really like nice like life with his husband in Hawaii. Oh, wow. Um, then Island in the Sun. Yeah, he probably listened to Jim <laughs> Neighbors was rocking out the Island in the Sun every day. Hip, hip. Well, RIP Jim Neighbors, we hope you're listening to Island in the Sun in Heaven. <laughs> I miss you, Jim Neighbors. I miss Don Knotts. I miss Ernest. Jim Varney? Jim Varney. That was the real one. Jim, do you think Jim Varney was partially based off of like Gomer Pyle or there was there a little <laughs> Gomer Pyle in like the in the Ernest like DNA? No, because Ernest was just a character created to sell air conditioners. There was not a, that much thought put into How it. long did those commercials run before they were like, we need to give him his own movie first? Or yeah. was it like a Disney special first? I have no idea. I, look, you look at those commercials, you're like, how the fuck did this like capture the hearts and minds of America? That's, that happened all the time in like the 80s. Like, but like, when was the last time like a commercial character... Uncle Drew. Fuck, you're right. <laughs> okay, but like that is at least like the gag is fuck you're god. <laughs> but like at least that it's like it's Kyrie. Like Kyrie is the draw. Kyrie NBA All-Star, NBA champion Kyrie is, you know, it's not this like Uncle Drew is this most compelling character like I got to see if he's going to get his sprite or whatever. People love the Uncle Drew. People yeah. call him Uncle Drew. That was like the biggest Yeah, yeah like, I know. That was like the biggest like takeaway that how popular the character is that people started car- calling Kyrie Uncle Drew. I saw Uncle Drew. Yeah, I I was going to but I had to wait for the electrician to show up. Chris Webber's really good at it. I'm excited to see it. I'm very I'm, I'm very uh, you know, I want to see it. I want to see Shaq's butt. I want to, you know. <laughs> you do see Shaq's butt. Kind of like you see Rivers Cuomo's ass on Cold Dark World. Yes. Uh, yeah. If you don't, if you haven't seen the video, it's uh, Rivers Cuomo fully nude. <laughs> on the, the famous Cold Dark World music. <laughs> it's not on YouTube. It's on Pornhub. <laughs> no, that's not true. There's no, there's no Cold Dark World music video. There's also no nude videos of Rivers Cuomo. We did find that shirtless video. We did find that shirtless video. (laughs) It just has a weird sound that just Weezer should not be going for. Yeah, nor should we sexually harass Rivers Cuomo. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry, Rivers. These were all just jokes that got out of hand. Kind of like this entire podcast. Yeah. So this whole song was basically written around the bass riff. One of those famous Weezer bass riffs. I don't remember what the bass is like at all in the song. I guess I can. I'm having trouble remembering the song right now. Like it's. Angel girl in a cold dark. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. 
Yeah, it has the talk rap on it. You know, these were this song is kind of all the things that everyone was hoping that would not happen to Weezer. You know, that he would become trying to do these rap influences or this like edgier style of content. And it happened. But fortunately didn't go over that well i mean yeah, this is also the one that has everybody get dangerous which is his uh, eminem influence song man that was so weird because they're just going for it good on them for that it's like you know shoot or shoot these are these were misses what's your favorite song on red <sighs> i mean we put most of them on here the only ones that he didn't put on were troublemaker troublemaker solid angel and the one the closer don't remember that one at all i can't it's fine i like it I'm sure it's fine. I didn't nominate it for anything. God, this album's so bad. Oh, I like Greatest Man. Which we, you put on the podcast. Yeah, but I wanted to talk about it. This is a bad record. It is a bad record. I kind of like Angel in the One. Troublemaker might be my favorite on the album. The B-Sides, I really like. We talked a little, a little bit with Evan last week. Mm-hmm. I really oh, like Pig. Pig yeah. yeah, Pig, I think, is really good. It tells the whole story. Like it kind of. I like the fact that he's just trying to tell the the kind of the circle of life story using just a pig i think that's more inventive than most of his songwriting was at the time uh-huh. he also like i actually also like bonus track of miss sweeney which we talked a little bit which apparently he wrote with his assistant oh wow who yeah. is his assistant sarah c kim she has been his assistant since 2001 or she i don't know if she still is but like she co-wrote miss sweeney with him anybody having the same job for 17 years is such insane job security that i can't imagine that she still like, is i wonder what it's like to be like river's assistant Especially since 2001. Jesus. Like, all the changes that he's gone through over that time. It's like being, like, an assistant for, like, seven different people, but just who are the same It's just one Yeah. You've gone through different work for seven different people, but really not. It's so weird. It's like the Todd Haynes, Bob Dylan movie. God, that's what someone should... That's how you do the Rivers movie. You basically do, I'm not there, but Rivers Cuomo. Oh, hell yeah. You have Kate Blanchett play Rivers at one point. You have one that's like just the recreation of, uh, is it Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid? Like, this idea is copyright us, no stealing. <laughs> but then, like, I'm your daddy. Like, how is this a single? The only logic I can think of making this a single is like, this is something that people kind of want to yell. And sometimes that's all it really takes for a song to become a single is like, yeah, this is something like people drunk like kind of want to yell. But even then, like, the I'm your daddy versus the these were, this is the only- lead up. These are. This is the only other single, too, other than, if you're wondering if I want you to, I want you to. Two bad singles. Apparently, they released another single after this that was uh, called Represent, but it was like the song that Rivers wrote for the U.S. men's soccer team. What? Yeah, written as the unofficial theme for the men's U.S. soccer team. Oh, an unofficial even. Jeez. Yeah. However, it was not the first song that Rivers had written about the soccer team. Of course. My Day is Coming, released on Alone 2, was about the similar subject. Yeah, this makes sense. This would probably been during the World Cup. The U.S. Old Dark World Cup. Yeah. The U.S. men's team uploaded a video for the song on June 21st, along with a phone interview with Rivers. The video features game footage from the team, live performances by Weezer, and a shot of Cuomo singing the song in studio. I've never heard this. It's shocking to me. Yeah, that's very shocking. Like, the problem is, like, I'm your daddy. I can see people, like, drunk out saying it and singing it. All the lead up to it that this ain't impossible, you know, all yeah. that, like, really takes away from, like, what someone would want to yell. Like, they want to yell it in a sexual, gross manner. And it's, it's self defeating for those purposes. Usually it's like, He's kind of like really overthought things. I don't think it has a very memorable chorus. Even no. though, yeah, that people can sing along to. 
Do you ever find when you start revisiting some of these songs, you start kind of liking them more, and you're just like, this isn't as bad as I thought? Smart Girls was like that. Do you think this is like kind of like Patty Hearst, sort of like... Um, yeah, Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah, we're stuck with it, and we can kind of look past some of the flaws. Yeah. But then it's like, when we take these step back and have to talk about it, it's like, oh, no, no, it's still not there. Well, it's like sometimes like like researching the podcast and doing this, it's like I'm only listening to these songs, and specifically these bad songs. So there's not a lot of like variety of other music coming into my life at that. Yeah. In the, I my, still haven't heard the new Death Grips. I wonder if Rivers has. I can honestly see Rivers yeah. being a huge Death Grips guy. Yeah, I could see that. Rivers, call us and talk Death Grips. That would be interesting. I'm on GP, baby. I myself have only listened to the new Death. Been listening to the new Death Heaven album. Oh, I've been into the new Charlie singles, Kids See Ghost, and the Sophie album is incredible. I'm really into the new Beach House. Anyhow, apparently reception poor. <laughs> Can I read this actually? What the reception part of a Weezerpedia? Uh, I'm your daddy. This this spawned a bra- tournament style bracket podcast. <laughs> Band reception of I'm Your Daddy has been generally negative from the diehard group of Weezer fans. Many of them call this song immature and criticize both its lyrical content and its computerized dance beat intro. The song has been modest to low commercial success thus far. Thus far. I don't think it's going to start taking off now. (laughs) I don't know. You can tell this is probably written in like 2010. It might, you know, but like these things happen where this this song ends up on an episode of Big Bang Theory and then it's like the number one song in the country. Oh, it's like how like when Kanye's gone ends up being on the... Yeah, well, that's just because the charts are fundamentally broken to where they incorporate YouTube YouTube videos. videos. But more importantly, it's because they use the content ID system. Yeah. Like there was that viral video of the, uh, the Kiss where the strangers kissing and then that song went to number two the next day no one is actually buying this record we need to do can we do like a nathan for you bit where we basically create a video just to get i I, i'm your daddy on the billboard charts yes this is a good idea this is is an extremely good idea (laughs) just create a viral video where they had basically it just plays in the background that blows up and I'm your daddy becomes like the number one so what we'll do we'll recreate the Kevin Smith proposed uh, video for keep fishing yeah but with I'm your daddy instead I don't think that's big enough we need to yeah. think bigger we need to think bigger Anyhow, Pitchfork Media and online webzine. That's how this. <laughs> that's how this. That's how Weezerpedia defines Pitchfork guys as an online, online webzine, webzine called the song "Peppy" and a bit on the creepy side. Hey, you know what I like? What offline webzines? <laughs> just, they're just called zines. <laughs> I'm glad that they had to clarify which Pitchfork was. Pitchfork, huh? This hmm. is like 1997. Anyhow, can we vote? Uh, yeah, let's do that. They're both really bad. Songs. Yeah, this is a tough one. This well, is you this, know you know this is this is like Holyfield Tyson. Yeah, but Cold Dark World is just shitty, and you have to listen to fucking it got the, it's got fucking Scott Schreiner vocals on it. I was thinking I'm your daddy because it is so bad, but God, yeah, the Scott Schreiner's vocals are just imagine not good. having to listen to Cold Dark World anymore. I mean, that's De- well, that's essentially what you're trying to convince me to vote for, but like. I'm your daddy is like really bad, but like super bad in an interesting way and just gross. And it's not that interesting. It's more interesting than fucking Cold Dark World. Well, yeah. Yeah, Cold Dark World. um, The fact that we played it and I forgot about it and then I remembered it and I'm like, fuck, I hate this song. I think that really says it all. 
Well, it's a cold, dark world because we're going to have to keep listening and talking to cold, dark world. God, yeah, you're right. Yeah, good job, Andrew. Fuck. <laughs> All right, moving on. Moving on. Round four. It's been a tough week, hasn't it, Andrew? It's been draining. <laughs> Round four. My best friend. Off of make-believe. Versus, where's my sex? Off of Hurley. themes today experimentation um this is another uh song where they touch on incest again (laughs) which one my best friend no where's my (laughs) sex mom made my sex she made it with her hand i mean rivers knows what he's doing there oh he totally knows it's also weird because it might have been inspired by like his daughter saying where's my sex instead of where's my socks yeah i mean that the story and it's like fine that's a funny story like that is a tweet it's not even a good tweet no it's no like, you might get one or two likes but just from a friend who's just basically kind of giving you a pity like i feel like you look it's not going to be like uh my latest one to blow up that has made my phone unusable for two and a half days you combine it to everything's two, everybody's two favorite things i mean my favorite two favorite things sure. you combine furries and Juggalos, juries. That is a jury duty I would proudly serve. Fuggalos. (laughs) Fuggalos. Oh, my God. Can you explain that video anyhow just for our podcast listeners since this would be a... Yeah, it's basically the greatest thing I've ever seen. So, Violent J, the member of ICP that a lot of memes compare him to look to Steve Harwell of Smash Mouth or Guy Fieri. Um, That's unfair. It is. I mean, it's just like guys with short, spiky hair. I also think it's... I'm tired of people also picking on Steve Harwell and Guy Fieri. Steve Harwell is a good dude. Yeah, I've never been big on 
like making fun of Guy Fieri. It's just like this guy's asking for all this attention. It's like he knows what he's doing. I actually think Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives is a good show, and like I enjoy watching it. But anyhow, I'll go back to your uh... yeah. So he has a daughter who's about thirteen, twelve, somewhere in there, who's a furry. And I know what you're automatically thinking isn't furry a sexual thing? Well, yes, it can be, but in this instance, I don't believe it to be. I think she just likes anthropomorphic animals and like dressing up in basically mascot suits and all that. She's basically just a kid who likes to dress up. She likes to play dress up and whatever else, and that's fine. That's great. She and her dad go onto Alibaba and buy something, which is just a terrible idea. Because that's basically like saying, hello, Chinese scammers, here's my credit card. And they got a very low quality fursuit for her. They are outraged, so they made a consumer report style video calling the people snakes. And it's really fucking incredible. The best part about that video is just when she just keeps on mentioning how broke he is for like the <laughs> first minute. <laughs> <laughs> my mom says that you've been broke since the 90s even though you pretend to be yeah it's really funny they're both really good on this and it's oddly wholesome like yeah. he's really like my daughter got ripped off where i'm going to fight back the only way i know how which is to use my niche celebrity to put a video online and hope that these unethical people see it and right the wrong which i i doubt there will be a positive resolution she has another fursuit well she's wearing the fur the good one that she got she, she got a good one but she, i think i think uh, jay is basically out his 750 bones <laughs> 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 like he's not getting that money back you know do you think rivers has ever done any furry-esque activities uh no anyhow where's my sex is just god awful song it's yeah it's a pun it's not that funny and then it just keeps running with it so i was doing a little research though today can i say this oh uh, yeah you can and say i that. found a reddit thread that was just like you know this song's not that bad <laughs> which really proves that there's a reddit thread for everything <laughs> once you get past the inane lyrics the music itself is nothing to write home about it's a perfectly fine song the thing is like a lot of the, like the wordplay doesn't even make sense half the time you know it, like sex on my feet like that doesn't eat, like sex on my feet sex in my drawer sex in my shoes or sex on the floor like these jokes don't even work for these double entendres you've uh, never had sex in a drawer <laughs> maybe like those like maybe like those drawers kramer had that he, the Japanese <laughs> slept in. maybe i mean even then those dudes didn't look like they're sex in my shoes unless we're like doing like a honey i shrunk the kid sort of situation no, here. You, i mean that'd be like leaving them on which shockingly i've actually never done no oh no. wait yeah i have <laughs> yeah it's like he's pushing it and pushing it and it should have just ended in like a demo or something but he keeps pushing it and so he has to convince his bandmates he has to convince the label and he has to convince like all the publicity people everybody like that no this song is really gonna get out there and it's really gonna do it this is speaking, this is a single right hey, speaking about labels you know what no this wasn't a single okay thank god 
No, this is not a single. Do you know what um, label put this record out? This is was this their one on um, Epitaph? Correct. Yeah, everything on that album sounds like an Epitaph record. I don't know what it is. If it's like their mastering process, like all that, like it, it all sounds like it came out of like the same studio that made like those late rancid albums. So Nick, I just want to say the most amazing thing about this song is that the man who produced the biggest album of last year, The Greatest Showman. It was like the high, biggest selling album last year, I, something, something like that, right? I'm sure. It's like anytime you look at the charts, we did this last week, you look at the charts and what people talk about versus what they buy is completely two different territories. So I'm sure I'm sure that and a Kids Bop record and then a record by those uh, the people who just make the music with the Pentatonics, yeah. those garbage records, I'm sure those like sold through the roof. I would just love to see like... Hugh Jackman belting out Where's My Sex in the middle of The Greatest Showman. Uh, you, you had me catch up with uh, Billy Madison. I'm not going to watch Greatest Showman. <laughs> I think that's enough to, for you guys to know what Nick thought of Billy Madison. Hey, look, it's not good. It's great. It's not funny. That is for damn it's sure. hilarious. But it's re- it was really interesting to watch it for a number of reasons. Because, like, look, I'm an adult. I can legally purchase liquor. Like, it's not made for move. Me. you know it, it was made for a 12 year old i don't know that movie was probably hit was the favorite movie of a lot of like 25 year olds like when it came out in like 1995 okay i also don't smoke weed so that's a that's a problem Shep-do-hoo. i find all that stuff just not funny <laughs> but what was interesting to me was number one how young norm mcdonald looks <laughs> like time has not been kind of norm at all like adam we all know what he looks like now versus then but like norm mcdonald i didn't know was in the movie yeah and he looks just like so crazy young <laughs> he looks like just like one of our friends so can i tell you a funny story i, I hung out with joe john this weekend yeah and i was talking about billy madison and happy gilmore and he's like around the age when those albums came movies came out apparently he, he liked the adam sandler's haircut so much that he went to his barber and asked for the sandler <laughs> Look, I can understand getting the cruise. Man, we should have had this episode sponsored by Adam Sandler's haircut. <laughs> hey, you might do it. But it was interesting where this movie seems to be like the prototype for the modern comedy that we are stuck in right now. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, we have a concept. And the concept is somewhat humorous, somewhat funny. We have an outline of a script. We haven't been able to finish the damn thing. And a lot of the scenes are very unfinished. But you know what we'll do? Let's get some SNL people in there. They'll riff. They got Jim Downey in there. Like, there's the scene where, like, the whole thing sets up where he tells his dad that he'll go back to school. And then he just starts dancing. And it's so clear that they didn't have any answer to it. I tumble for you see? Yeah. It's a classic sequence. He's clearly just improving. Because he just walks off in the middle of the song, and it's just like, nope, we didn't have anything to do. I want Weezer to cover the victory song. Well, I'm sure if you get enough retweets, it'll happen. Yes, I will go back to school. Hell yeah, that song rules. Also, this movie has no stakes. Yes, it has stakes. He has to get the control of the company. No, because if he fails, he's still impossibly rich and has to do nothing. But fucking stupid-ass... Bradley Whitford. Bradley Whitford... Who's evil? Yeah, I saw West Wing. I know what he's like, evil. <laughs> By the way, 
I like that when Billy gets the company at the end, he just gives it to Carl. That was kind of funny, yeah. Bradley Whitford, like his look in Get Out is much better than his look in he this thing. He just looks like a, like a 60-year-old man or 50, Well, he also man. got some crazy hair plugs. Yeah. Billy Madison's about three years before West Wing, so it's before his like... Before the Whitford renaissance. <laughs> it wasn't a renaissance because no, he, no. he hadn't had like his breakout character, which would, everyone would agree that like... The West Wing is like Bradley Whitford's breakout role. Yeah, easily. And it's still his most well-known role. I mean, it wasn't memeable as his get-out guy. No. <laughs> Do you think Bradley Whitford likes My Best Friend by Weezer? Sorry, I think we just have to get back to this podcast. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, Bradley Whitford. Well, hold on. Which Bradley Whitford character are we talking for? Uh, let's do Josh from West Wing. Josh, yes. He likes it because... It's wholesome, proposes just a good agenda of the being kind to each other, and that you could you could play it at a political rally for Bartlett, and there'd be no troubles, assuming that you cleared the song, which usually they don't. <laughs> so this song, if I, we've talked about this, the inspiration for this song was about like apparently be on the Shrek Two soundtrack at one point. But my favorite thing that Do I have to watch that movie now. <laughs> I would like to you have to watch one Shrek movie. I would give you your choice of which one to watch. <laughs> I'm going to just start Shrek too. Let me just start in the middle of the story. I'm sure it has like a prologue that catches you up, right? I don't think it's. I, I'm movies, sure it could also movies, figure it these out. These movies are made for children. It's like you, they should, they're supposed to be able just to pick it up no matter what. Yeah, that's what I was figuring. It's not like Valerian or something. No. Anyhow, do you remember how it's like apparently it was based on like a friend who looked like sort of like brutish ogreish? Yeah. Who was this person that that like <gasps> maybe it was based on Rick Rubin? That seems actually kind of plausible in now that I think about it. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. I just realized we forgot to mention Rick Rubin last week. Well, we're doing it right now. Yeah. Fuck. Wait. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. Like, no, I know. I, who else would he know who's. Who I mean, I don't. Well, he has non famous friends. Does he have friends? Fair point. Um, no, I'm sure. Well, I'm, no, I'm sure he has friends. Um, I mean, Rick Rubin is also the producer of this song. I mean, that makes me look at their relationship in so many different ways. Yeah. Fuck. That's. When everything is wrong, I'll come talk to you. You make things all right when I'm feeling boo, blue. You are such a blessing, and I won't be messing with the one thing that brings light to all my darkness. You're my best friend, and I love you, and I love you. Yes, I do. I mean, it kind of fits. Yeah. I remember I originally wrote it about some guy I met, and then the and then the producers of the sequel to the film Shrek asked us if we we had a song, and I thought, oh yeah, I remember that song. Let me think about showing it to them, and they actually thought it sounded too much like it was written for Shrek because this guy was kind of ogreish, and he made me laugh. I hate I hate like saying Rick Rubin looks ogreish, but I mean I can yeah I I mean I can see it be done. Yeah. Um, that would explain so much if this song is about Rick Rubin. 
I think we've joked that it could be about Matt Sharp. Have we? Matt, yeah, I'm sure we told that joke last time. Matt Sharp doesn't look like an ogre. No. But Rick Rubin? I just pulled up a picture of Rick Rubin next to Kendrick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. It could definitely be about Rick Rubin. And Rubin's a funny guy. Yeah. How did we miss this? This has been right under our nose the whole time. Well, it's a good thing that we had to come back to these things <laughs> to find new layers to them. Um, I'm going to say my best friend is definitely about Rick Rubin. I'm just going to, that's my hypothesis. I'm going to stick to it. Yep, it's canon now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. It's about, fuck, that's, yeah. Anyhow. I mean, now to explain why they, they keep collaborating. Yeah. They're just best friends. It's best bros. They're they're too busy joking around to like really make a song that either one of them can really put their stamp on. <laughs> Sometimes when your friends get together and just bullshit, they come create really stupid things like a sixty four song podcast bracket about <laughs> what the worst Weezer song is. Anyhow, I'm ready to vote on this. Yeah, my vote is definitely going to "Where's My Sex," especially yeah. now that I find. My best friend, significantly more interesting now. Yeah, we cracked, totally. Now that we cracked, we the, cracked the code. code. <laughs> All right. Yeah, where's my sex is moving on. Unless it, where's my sex is uh, Jackknife Lee uh, was talking with his mouth full and had <laughs> lost his socks. Now. <laughs> All right. Yeah, where's my sex? All right, another gangbuster week on the Weezer bracket. We're uh, we're starting to roll through. Yeah, now it's getting a little easier. I know we're in the groove. Also, like the rounds aren't interminably long. Like we're halfway through, right? Yeah, sick. So this week's winners are "Tripping Down the Freeway." Great song. No, lovely. Happy hour. Banger. Cold dark world. Yeah. And then I think everyone's personal favorite. Where's my sex? Whew. Update your brackets at home. Uh, I will actually... Uh, I'm going to update the website. I'm, I'm a little behind on that, but it'll get done. Don't worry. For our own use. Yeah, for our own purpose, yeah. <laughs> we need to update the bracket. All right, Nick, do you have next week's uh, matchups? I do. We have Automatic versus The Damage in Your Heart. Ugh. Oh, Girlfriend versus Smile. We Are All on Drugs versus Hang On and... Thought I knew versus ruling me. Jesus. Yeah. Ugh, this is going to be a little dicey. This is going to be a little another rough one. It's going to be brutal. Yeah. And this is the fate we chose. Oh, so one last thing before we go. We are kind of floating out into the universe, putting the idea out there for our final matchup. What if we do it live somewhere? We don't have a place for it or any method to do it. <laughs> But we're just going to start putting that out there, and maybe maybe people will want this to happen, or maybe they'll tell us to fuck off and Maybe shut the up. universe will answer us. Maybe the universe will answer us and uh, strike us dead. Who knows? But maybe. I don't know. If we can figure something out, that might be cool. If not, whatever. I don't care. All right. Let's, let's sign off. This one's dedicated to you, Ethan Hunt. You know, picking the uh, worst uh, Weezer song may be the actual impossible mission. I don't think he could pull it off. I don't think he can. <laughs> the man can break into Langley. He can, like, jump from one building to, a, to another as a catapult. He can and hold his breath for six minutes. Impressive. 
what's the um, Burj Khalifa? Burj Khalifa. He can scale the Burj Khalifa, but you know what? He could not. And I will. And I'm going to say it right now. He could not fucking pick the worst Weezer song. We are truly fucking part t- team members of the IMF. Hell yeah! Look, the next couple of weeks are going to be real fucking hard. <laughs> like, there's no way around it. It's like some of these is getting real dicey. I'm going to say it. I'm going to quote Anthony Hopkins in Mission Impossible too. It's that's why it's, it's not called Mission Difficult. It's called Mission Impossible, Mister Hunt. All right, we'll see you next. See week. you next week. Bye. Bye. All the Weezer songs, we are claiming fair use uh, for purposes of discussion, and you should look back because there's a lot of discussion about these, so there you go. But the intro music is by Alvoro Kid, and we downloaded it from hooksounds.com, Creative Commons with attribution, so there you go. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and see you next week. Oh, I would also like to give a shout out to Spence Nicholson for helping us with the art. Yeah. Oh, he's real happy about that. And giving it and letting us record in your house. Thank you, Spence. Thanks, Spence. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Love you.